Hello and welcome to today's episode of Impact Schools podcast. So today I'm joined with the hardcore closer himself, Mr. Ryan Stuman. So, wow, I mean, your stuff in your Facebook group, firstly, I am scrolling through my feed and I just see these posts from you. And every single time I feel like I just laugh out loud. Like you have this humor towards the way in which you teach sales that I think is very, very captivating. And which is clearly why you've been able to build such an amazing, amazing community of both sales professionals and business owners. So can you just tell me more about how this whole, how this whole cult came about? Cause I feel like that's what you have. You have this tribe of just engaged fans yeah you know i think it's really cult's probably a good word for it you know like there's a lot of negative stigma around that word but there's also good cults too like probably church is a good cult you know what i mean something to think about and for for me i just i i looked about 10 years ago and i saw that all the salespeople were the same like grant cardone zig ziglar brian tracy they're all like suit and tie stuffy old like you know, kind of gray hair guys. And I'm not hating on those. Those guys are legends, but that's not the generation that's coming up. Right. And, and I remember about 10 years ago, I was telling Cardone, you know, Hey, I'm going to be this, you know, sales trainer guy. And he's like, you know, well, you're covered in tattoos and you, you, you talk about drinking and partying and shit like that. And like, it's never going to work. You're gonna have to put a suit and tie on. You're going to have to go B2B. And I was like, no, I don't want to do any of that. Cause I don't believe that's where, like, even in my corporate job, that I had long ages ago, you know, they always wanted us to dress up and like put a, you know, button up shirt and stuff like that on. It's like, I show up every day in vans and a t-shirt despite the dress code. And cause we never met customers, right? Like, and now, especially with COVID and shit, we're not meeting customers anymore, you know? So they don't care how we're dressed. Most people have like a, on a zoom, they have like a fancy shirt on and no pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like literally the American dress code right now for corporations. And so, you know, I just wanted to to be the guy that was good at sales that was just himself, just an, an, a real dude that had real awards and had made real sales. Because a lot of these guys that were in the sales train at the time when I started in that industry, they didn't have any real accolades. You know, most of them teaching stuff. Zig did, you know, he sold a whole bunch of copiers for Xerox. So he had some accolades, but you know, Cardone, I'm a big fan. That guy showed us what's possible, but like how you go from selling fish to raising billions of dollars. There's like a, there's a a step or two that just seemed missing in the story. And so I set out to make like every aspect of my life, you know, public since 2008. And because of that, people, they didn't at first, but because of that 12 years, 13 years later, people are like, Hey man, I've seen this dude do this. We've seen him sell software. We've seen him sell mortgages. We've seen him flip a whole bunch of homes. We've seen him build and invest in restaurants and businesses. And because of that, over the years and over time, I just became that person they looked up to. They're like, hey, you can be a real person. You don't have to be stuffy. You don't have to be, you know, all professional. You can cuss and still go to church. So I just showed them like, you know, you don't have to be all one way or another. And I think that most people fall in the middle of all things anyway, whether it be politics, social issues or whatever, like most people are in the middle. And I noticed in our industry, nobody was in the middle. So I was like, well, I'm just going to be me, right? I'm just going to show up and, you know, I've been doing this for 11 years full time and I don't have any one star reviews or rip off reports or any of that. Cause we just, we make shit right with people, you know, even sometimes when it hurts, you know, but that's just part of business. But you know, I, I believe a big part of selling is the service side of it. So we've done really well there, which has kept a lot of people coming and, and paying for stuff. I have some clients that have been around five or six years, year after year that just renew with us, you know? 
Mm, that's awesome. And and we were just talking about that right before you came on, the, the number of people who are inside of all of your programs. And that goes to show, I mean, selling doesn't have to be this evil, bad thing that a lot of people think it is, right? We have a lot of clients who are coaches and course creators and people who are really skilled in an area. And they now want to turn their skill into something that they can sell online. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they think that in order to sell, they have to become this different person. And they have to change their personality when it comes to getting on that call. Or they just send this quick little email and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, the price is 2K, hit send. And then they they just, you know, they don't even expect to reply. And so I think that what's interesting about your brand is you know, the whole hardcore closer element to it. Because some people will hear that and they'll be put off. But then that goes to show that what you're doing is totally in alignment with retaining those clients because of the fact that, you know, you want to turn away people because then you get the ones who aren't going to give those one-star reviews. And that's one of the important elements to sales is that knowing who you're fighting for and fighting against. But let's talk about this because um, hardcore is pretty hardcore, right? Of course. (laughs) And so when it comes down to hardcore closing, I mean, how much is too much? What would you say? What's your whole philosophy behind that? Well, you know, I got the nickname hardcore closer because I've always been like top producer everywhere that I've ever worked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not know this about me, but I've been in and out of prison all my 20s, right? So I did almost three years in prison. And, uh, so that was kind of how they gave me the nickname. They're like, Stuman, he's hardcore, man. Like, cause you know, I was always like, I would go into prison and this is crazy. Did I even say in this, but like go to prison and get out and I would be behind. So I'd have to work really hard. And sales was the only thing that was there for him. My mom and dad wasn't there. My, my wife, girlfriend, all these things that you see in the movies waiting outside of prison. When you get out, none of that shit existed for me. Right. It was like, it was like, they open up the door and I'm like, shit, man, like they didn't even have an Uber back then. It's like, y'all got a bus or something leaving here, right? And so, um, and so, you know, they they always just called me like hardcore. And then I, I got a job back in 2011 for a short period of time so I could have insurance when my oldest son was being uh, born, right? And I needed a, like a real job so that I had company insurance because she was already pregnant and I couldn't get it on my entrepreneur insurance stuff. And so, um, I would go behind all the sales guys that couldn't close deals. And I would be the guy that sat down at the car dealership and closed the deal with you. Right? Like I didn't show cars and shit. It was like, if, if somebody couldn't sell you a car, then you would come up to the desk and you'd be like, oh, I need your help, Ryan. Right. <laughs> and so they started calling me the hardcore closer because they'd always be like, that dude's hardcore. Yeah. He's the hardcore closer. And it is kind of stuck. So in 2012, I was like, I'm going to register this, this website and selling cars and mortgages. You kind of do have to be a, a, especially cars. You got to be a hardcore person, right? You got to be able to, to, you got to know all the tricks, man. Cause people will lie to you and connive you and everything else. And that's just part of it. They say buyers are liars, all that. But I believe that's dying off, which, you know, that's still my nickname and, and my handle. And, but like none of our companies are named that anymore and stuff. Right. And, and I thought about getting away from it, but it's, there's so much branding behind it that I just, you know, it's, it's there. It's always my roots. But the truth is, I think we're getting away from that. I think our generation, uh, and you know, I'm obviously way older than you, but like our generation and your generation and younger they see this shit miles away, right? They know when you go to the Ford dealership that the guy in a suit standing up out front waiting for you, they know that that guy's like a, sh- a snake. He's a shark, you know what I mean? And 
And we've been pitched so much in so many commercials and have to buy so much shit and, and really rely on internet and convenience these days that I think that that's going away, you know? And I see a lot of people in our group that are starving and they don't realize the reason why they're starving in the sales talk with sales pros group that are good salespeople, but they're trying these old school tactics and they don't work. They might work on our grandparents. They might work on our parents, but they're really not working on that 45 and below generation anymore. So what does work is service, right? Like if you actually show somebody that you care and you take care of them and you actually, instead of trying to sell them something, you give them the information they need that's enough to make the decision, which is which requires a lot of legwork on the front end for a salesperson before they go into the call, right? But if you do that, you would be surprised. Well, you probably wouldn't, but maybe some of your listeners would be surprised. There's nobody out there that cares, especially in sales. They care. They care about their commission check. But when you as a salesperson can be the person that takes care of them and shows them that you care about them and that you have their best interests in mind, it makes all the difference in the world. You really don't have to sell somebody, you know? And that's, that's what's crazy is a lot of these folks will go out there and they're trying these old school, very hardcore sales tactics. And I'm not saying they don't work, but they work a hell of a lot better on the older generations. But the new generation, man, they just want the information. If they're going to buy it, they're going to buy it. Somebody that's 40 years old doesn't need to think about it overnight. They don't need to talk to their wife. Like, they're either going to buy it or they're not. You got to give them all the information and the reasons why and the benefits, and that's it. I think it really only takes two things to close sales. Uh, and it's not sales training. It's not a book. It's, it boils down to two things. Number one is you got to have uh, empathy right? But they have to know that you have empathy. And so what I mean is you can't just get on the call. Like you, I might be doing a sales call with you and three minutes into the call, I'm like, I know this chick's problem. I can fix it for, her. but I can't say that because you don't know that I've had 10,000 of these calls. I got to let you go through your process, which means I need to get you talking. And the more you talk, the better I listen. Most people don't listen. Kids don't listen. Boss don't listen. Wife don't listen. You know what I mean? So like when you're the person that actually cares enough to listen, that's light years ahead of what's mostly going on in their life anyway. That's why people pay a damn therapist. And so, but when they understand that they, that, that you understand their story because they've told it to you. So empathy really comes from listening because they have to be the one that, that understands that you're empathetic towards their situation. Once you got that, the other half of the equation is simply confidence. And confidence comes from project, uh, product knowledge, right? If you know your shit and you know their problem, then you got the confidence and the empathy together. The sale will get made. Oh man, it's so true, isn't it? Sometimes you'll be on a call with someone or a meeting and they'll literally tell you exactly what they want, ex exactly. And then at the end, when you kind of tell them the strategy in which you think it makes sense to get there, then um, <laughs> you say pretty much the exact same words that they said. That you're like, yes, they, they say, yes, you, you finally understand me. Yep. You really get what I want. And it's unbelievable how just through listening, right? You know what, what they say, one mouth and two is for a reason. Yep. And just through listening to them, it, it allows them to see that you are someone that they can trust. And that's just through listening. And and that, that's what I wanted to, to talk about really is because I feel that nowadays, given that there is the ability to just Google things and research and find out prices so easily, um, one of the reasons why we still say to our clients and we for ourselves, we believe so deeply on still taking a sales call is because of the fact that then you do get to be a little more selective about the clients that you're working with. Because if you don't take a call, then you risk actually signing people that might be a nightmare to work with. So I'd love to hear your philosophy behind sales calls versus just closing through the DMs or something like that, because um, this is one of the things that I think a lot of people get a little stuck upon. Well, you know, if you've done your job good, 
is not this because half of sales is making the sale. The other half is delivering what you said you were going to deliver to the client in the manner that you told them they were going to get it, right? That's the big half. The, the sales, the easy part usually, and most people screw up on the back end. But for me, we haven't ran advertisements like paid advertisements since 2019. Um, and I was spending 50 or so thousand on average a month for, for advertising, which isn't really that much, but you know, it was consistent half a million a year. And, uh, 2019, whoever we hired at the time that was running our ads got my account shut down. And I thought, well, shit, you know, I guess now we'll see how much of our money comes from ads, right? Until I figured out, maybe I'll start another account or whatever. And the next month our sales kept going up and the next month our sales kept going up. And I'm like, oh shit, man, we were wasting money with the ads because I realized, and it, it took this happening for me to realize that most of our business is from referrals. And so most people have either seen somebody change and been like, hey man, what's the change that I've seen in you? And they're like, oh, it's this Apex program and they become a referral, right? And um, I, I believe that most of the time we got to get on a call with people, especially the way that we do it is we have an application process. So they go in, they read what all it's about, and then they apply if they're still interested, right? It's like page one sales page, page two is just a survey monkey type of application. And in there, it asks where they're at in business. Are they married? Do they have kids? You know, uh, what kind of money they make? Do they have employees? This kind of stuff so that we can know which one of those three levels we were talking about to put them on. And if we're going to put somebody in like level one, which is open for everybody, right? Because you can't be perfect if you're just starting. So it's, it's literally open to everyone. We, we do a lot of that through the DM and that's a $3,000 thing. We do a lot of that through email and DM and stuff. Um, but our other two programs were very selective. Because you're right, um, about three years ago, I had two bad apples. I had about 115 people paying 25 grand, and I had two bad apples get into it, and it was a ripple effect of toxicity, and ended up losing like 50 of those people, right? And and it wasn't, and all of them were like, "Hey, man, we love you, but these guys is," and, and I had already kicked them out and everything. It was just, it was a big nightmare, and it was my bad, but it was a big learning lesson because I'm like, man, you got to really be selective with this shit because one person just cost me millions of dollars, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it took, a, it took a long while to build that back up, but it was a big lesson. Oh man, we actually had a similar, a similar situation a couple of years back too. And that's where for me that changed everything. Yeah. And it just comes that's back. That's a big slap to the face when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's very, very damaging the effect that one client can have when they start speaking to other clients. And so back then, a couple of years ago, that's when I was like, not only am I going to be super selective about the clients that I have coming on board, but also I'm going to be even more careful about the team members that I have fulfilling on working with those clients. Yeah. Because when you're not the one who's doing it all anymore, which, you know, in order to scale your business, you simply can't be. When you have a team of coaches and a team of support staff, and they perhaps are telling you that they're doing things but they're actually not then my goodness me it still does fall upon you though and so that was when as an entrepreneur I learned that despite the fact that I could blame my head of coaches and I could blame my COO at the end of the day it falls on me right it's still my responsibility for not making sure that my team were following all the checks and balances that they were doing when they were hiring and when they were bringing on clients and everything like that and so that's when we became way more careful about that whole entire thing but um, I love how you just mentioned that and one other thing is this for the salespeople. Look, there is nothing more rewarding than when you sell someone who you were 
you know, maybe they were on the edge. They were they were a little unsure about if they wanted to become a client or not. So I have it with my team whereby, you know, every single week they'll go through and look at the results that the clients that they've sold to and that they've enrolled, see how they're doing. And so uh, they actually get texts saying like, thank you so much for selling me this program. Thank you right. so much for showing <clears throat> me that this is something that I needed because, um, you know, I think as a salesperson, like, and even as a business owner, it can be really hard sometimes to see the effect that you're having on people's lives until you start getting messages like that. But sorry, you look like you were going to say something that. Yeah, you know, I, I lost my phone yesterday when I was in New Orleans. I left it in the, the driver. One of my buddies was there. Luckily enough, he'll bring it back to me on Monday. But um, I, I would read you some of the messages that I get every day, you know, and I know my, I have coaches as well and, and a sales staff here and you know, we get messages from, I just bought my first, you know, exotic car to, I just bought my 20th exotic car to, you know, the, there was a guy that named Mike Claudio who sent me a message two days ago. And he was like, I just was able to retire my wife. You know, she doesn't have to work anymore. She can raise our kids. And I bought her a brand new, uh, mom mobiles, like an escalator or Tahoe or something like that. You know, he's like, so she no longer has to work. She's got a brand new vehicle and I'm building our dream, you know? And it's just like, that's so cool because that not only affects Mike, it affects Mike's clients. It affects Mike's employees. It affects Mike's kids and probably their relationships and friends and his wife and their friends. So we, we, most people get into this and I tell people this all the time, like, Oh yeah, I think I'm going to do like side coach hustle, you know, side hustle as a coach. And I'm like, this shit's not easy. You know, you're like literally, no matter what you're coaching somebody at, you're like literally have someone's livelihood in your hands. You know, you got to be the example. You got to be a leader. And and you have someone's livelihood. And then the, the type of people that I coach are oftentimes some of the big, biggest players in their industry in the country. So they might have thousands of employees. So that ripple effect from the head that's doing this stuff and then it goes into all the thousands of employees and the difference they see. And then what about their friends? Like most people don't understand how important it is because if you do shit wrong, the same vibes go through all those people, but it's the wrong stuff, right? This, is, this isn't to me like a... Like, I know this sounds crazy, but to me, like being a coach, this is just how I feel in my life and what it's led to me. It's a calling like being a pastor. You know, it's, it's, uh, can you make money from it? Absolutely. Right. Uh, can it be lucrative? Absolutely. But it, 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 you either got that in you and you really want to help people. But if you like get into this business and it's just for the money, it won't work. You know, it really won't. You got to genuinely care for people. And it's, it's hard because motherfuckers will make it hard for you to care for them sometimes. You know what I mean? That's just part. And you still got to get past that. You got to be, you got to think it's like, ah, just because one person's this way, it's like we, we got thousands of, that are, you know, the other direction. So, you know, I think that's, that's a big role, but it all boils down to just taking care of your people, you know? Facts, yeah, and <laughs> well, you said that. That is so accurate. I mean, it's it's sometimes so difficult being the one to force the the result, right? Sometimes that's that's really what people need. It's just that constant accountability, and it's realizing that is going to be part of it, and it can be very frustrating, very, very, very frustrating. I remember when I was an online fitness coach. That was how I started. Oh man, it's when you know how someone can get the results so simply, but they're struggling to follow through. That's part of it, isn't it? That's identifying that the way that you're teaching has to change yeah. because you have to get people bought in. It's same with your team, right? If you don't have buy-in and you're just commanding from the top, then of course your team aren't going to be <laughs> executing the way that you want them to because yeah. they feel like you're just dictating their life. Yeah, And that's, you know, that that's where 
there's going to separate the good from the great, right? But I think ultimately, as a coach, as an expert, as someone who, you know, you're good at what you do in your field, whatever it is, even if you're like an interior designer, I think this is where it can be so valuable to have a good salesperson on staff or even a sales team when you get there, because it adds that that layer of protection in between you and then also then, you know, actually them becoming a client. Because I think that sometimes when you are good at what you do and you know the results that you can get for people, you can be a little too nice right? So you'll get on a call with them, you'll get to a meeting and maybe you're wanting to charge 20k, but you'll be like, oh yeah, but for you, I can do it for five. And I'll also give this for you for free and that for you for free. And so a lot of people do that. Yeah. Right. Well, firstly, why do you think they do that? A lot of people don't think they deserve the sale in the first place. You know, I would watch sales guys at mortgages, cars, insurance. I've seen it across every industry that will make a sale and then they can't believe they make the sale, so they screw up the service side of it, right? It's like, and and a lot of people just can't believe that they made it, so especially if you're not like, for me, I can't believe I didn't make the sale. If I, if I lost, you know what I mean? But a lot of people don't yeah. operate that way. They're so excited, or they're scared that if they said 20 grand, they would run the person off, and they need the money, so they're willing to do it at five, and they think they've got to throw this extra shit in to secure that five, which really, to a professional, depends on who you're selling to, but to, like, if I was to do that to my clients, they'd be like, he sounds desperate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then they wouldn't want to do it. And then and a, a normal person would rationalize that going, shit, I think it's worth 20. They don't even think it's worth five plus the bonus that I gave them. But the truth is you, they, they were expecting it to be 20. So it sounded too damn good to be true at five. So they don't want to buy it. Yeah, that's true. If Rolex it? called you and they said, I have a diamond platinum watch for you <laughs> for five G's, you would be like, I don't know about all that, right? Like, you, you, what's wrong with it? You know, uh-huh. why, why are you calling me for that, right? And they, a lot of salespeople don't understand. They sound the same way, right? It should have been 20 grand. You have to say it's 20 grand or it sounds stolen, right? Like, if I call you and I'm going to sell this Rolex for five grand, you're like, who'd you steal it from, Ryan, <laughs> right? Like, that's, and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, they, especially in the coaching world, these people are expecting life-changing results on one, le- one level or another. And you're like, yeah, that's 500 bucks. Like, wait a minute. I agree. And I think this is where price psychology is such a huge thing. And I think that in order to gain success in your own business, getting an understanding of the price psychology is fundamental. Because at the end of the day, if you can't grasp this concept, that's where I feel like you're going to have difficulties as a coach, as a consultant, as a salesperson. Because... The problem, the problem when it comes to um, ensuring that your prices are fair, that they make sense, I think is comparing yourself to other people. But you don't know how they perform on the phone. You don't know what their actual program is like. You're just looking at the prices and you're just looking at bullet points of what's inside of that program. Right. They could be the exact same features, but they could be delivered in a, in a totally different way that's going to then change people's lives in, in different in different capacities. But... Um, Okay, so one thing when it when it comes to something we spoke about before we hit record was power versus force when it comes to closing. And so I know that you spoke at an event about that exact topic recently. And so I think that this would be an incredibly valuable thing for you to discuss with us here um, because it's kind of like pushing someone into a sale versus them being pulled. So I'd love to hear your philosophy behind that. Well, for me, I would rather only talk to somebody who wants to do business with me. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like most people that say you got to make a cold call, you got to make a hundred cold calls to get one person on the hook and maybe make a sale from it. Right. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to 99 no's. That's it's depressing. It's bad for your mental health. Like, I just don't want to deal with it, you know? Yeah. So I try to position myself to only get a yes. And so what I learned is I read this book called Power Versus Force, and it was about physics. And I thought, really, this applies to the sales and business world bigger than 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 most people know. Um, Force is something that happens immediately. So if I make a phone call, somebody answers, like I force them to answer, right? I force them to talk to me. It's not like they were going, hey, you know, I hope Ryan Stuman, random salesperson calls me here in a couple of minutes, right? Like I'm forcing them to stop what they were doing, put their attention on me and let me try to change their mind on something that they may not have been looking for. Now, does that work? Sure, people do it all day, every day. But is it efficient? No, but it's effective, right? So what happens though is people get addicted to that dopamine of finding that next yes and they stay in that comfort zone and every day that's what they do. Every day they go in, list of people, 100, 200, 300 phone calls and that's their sales job all day, every day. They wonder why the fuck they're depressed and drink and all that other stuff. It's boring as shit, you know? Yeah, I did it once. We've all done it. (laughs) When you don't have anybody to talk to, that's what you got to do, right? Same thing, you go knocking on doors, right? So, you know, and, and these days people don't want strength around anyway but you're knocking on doors and and most people are telling you no maybe even calling the cops on you and shit depending on what neighborhood it is you know and 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 people do that and yes does it work yes you can make money knocking doors right especially in specific industries like roofing and stuff but at the same time it's not efficient in the time that you're knocking 10 or 15 doors in an hour i can send an email to 50,000 people you know in five minutes and so that's the difference. See, force is something that people get caught up in. They get, once you start doing cold calls, if you never graduate, you stay there forever. You knock doors, you never graduate, you stay there forever. And by graduate means that you've got to do the stuff on the back end, collect data, be able to send the emails, all that stuff, the social, social media marketing. But power, most people don't get into the power side of things because it takes forever. See, force happens if I make 100 calls today, I'm guaranteed I'm going to get one sale. Right. But if you write, a, let's say a power move would be to write an article for medium.com. It's free. You can write an article for it. Even if you can't write, you can have Siri transcribe your voice, put that in Grammarly, and then Grammarly will edit it for you and you copy and paste it into Medium. Right. Like even if you can't write, an idiot can do that. Right. But most people never do that because that article may not get them a customer today. It may not get them a customer tomorrow. The way that search engine optimization works, it's more likely not even going to show up for three or six months on Google search index anyway. But what I did today will reward me three, six, eight months and forever down the road. I was doing a podcast the other day with my friend, John Paramore. I was up in St. Louis, so I stopped by his office and, and he he asked me, he said, you know, you get about 50 or 60,000 leads a year for your business, but you don't run advertisements. Like, how do you, how do you do that? And I said, well, I've been blogging since 2012. I've got about 4,000 articles. I've got about 3,000 podcasts that I've done. I've got 2,500 or so videos on YouTube. God knows how many posts on social media that I made. And if you search my name, it comes about 73,000 times because of syndication and Forbes and other things, copying websites and stuff. If each of those power moves, if each of those websites just gets me one lead a year, then I'm sitting on 70,000 leads every year, right? Some of them get me hundreds a month, you know, some of them thousands a month. So, you know, but in 2012, when I started writing these blog posts, nobody's fucking reading them, right? Podcasting is another one. It's another power move. But my first podcast had six listeners. The very first episode, 
The second episode, zero. I couldn't even keep the same six fucking people to come back to number two, you know? But now we have 2.1 million people that listen every month. And, uh, and I put out five episodes a week. And the difference is I just never quit. But now, and what's crazy is from like 2011, I started podcasting. And in 2017, we finally started getting some momentum. Most people won't do something for four or five years until it starts to work, right? But now, again, 2.1 million people as of last month listened to my podcast. So was it worth those four or five years of getting no traction in order to have big traction like that? Fuck yeah, right? But power moves take time. If you think about it, like the most powerful thing I can think of is like the sun, the sun's 6.3 billion years to become that powerful, right? But people will go knock doors and they will make cold calls, but that's a one-time force thing that once it happens, it's not happening again. When I build a website, it's out there forever. When I make a video, it's out there forever. When I make a podcast, it's out there forever. When I get an article on medium.com or when I get some PR from Haro, whatever the case is, it's out there forever. And here's the cool thing that happens is... Let's say you hear me. Let's say you were like, oh, I was with Ryan Stuman and we did a podcast. I'm like, who is that? And so they, you're like, look them up on Instagram and they look me up and then they go to the website and then they see that I've got a group and then they see that I've got a blog and then they search my name and they see that I'm on Forbes. Like all these little points of familiarity, the next time somebody's like, you know, hey, I was, yeah, I'm in Ryan Stuman's course. It's like, oh man, I've been checking that guy out. All of a sudden it changes things and I don't have to sell them as much. You know, they've already, anything they wanted to know about me or about our programs is out there for them to figure out before they even waste my time talking to me. And I think those are power moves. And like I said, I've been doing them for uh, a decade now, and it took a while. You know, like I said, the first three, four years, I wasn't getting any traction, but I just didn't quit. And now I'm getting a shitload of traction, and it's exploded our business, but it, it took a lot of time. Now, I'm a little hard-headed. You could probably do that faster. I did all the shit myself because I didn't have a whole lot of money. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, figure out this whole business deal because I knew sales, but I didn't know anything about running a business back then. And so, you know, I wrote my own articles, did my own websites. I built all my old own shit. Now I obviously know how to delegate and pay and all that stuff. So you could do that faster than I did it if you delegate the work. But for me, I just did all the fucking work. <laughs> I love it. And that's the cool thing as well, because then you have all the systems set up on the back end so that let's say you do need to go out and hustle a little bit, DM some people, get some sales calls booked through the DMs. If you're focusing on these power moves, as you say, such as getting your social media set up, having expert authority content, having a podcast, that means that when people come from the DM over to your platform, they see, wow, this person's legit. Yep. And then that immediately increases your credibility in their mind. And so I think that at that point, Point, it's kind of fusing together sales and marketing right power versus force kind of is like that yep. because the the then you're able to lift your brand and people are able to it then decreases sales pressure in their mind because it's like oh wow this person is it's like it must be divine timing that they found me yes despite the fact you know in your mind you're like searching hashtags and you're searching other people's posts right. and you're it's like all of that and they're like oh wow this is divine timing because right. they then stumble across you and i think that's cool but you know, okay, so let's let's talk about power moves then. A couple of them that people could actually take action on immediately. So obviously they can be blogging, they can be podcasting, but what would you say some of the more powerful ones that you have done that have allowed you to have this long-term result? Uh, a daily post on Facebook. I mean, so many people, and maybe it's for you it's Instagram, but Facebook's been the place for me for all these years. And I just commit to making one post a day on Facebook. 
you okay. know, and uh, some days I make more, but as long as I, I so my routine is I, I wake up and I go to the gym first thing in the morning. I hate the fucking gym. And if I don't get it out of the way, then I won't do it. Right. So it's like, as soon as I open my eyes, like shit, I got to get up, brush my teeth and go to the gym. Like that's just, well, I, I got it in my head that if, if I hurry up before I'm all the way awake and I get through the gym before I'm all the way awake that I'm winning for the day. Right. <laughs> but when I get to the gym, that's my signal my 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 marker for me to make my posts on Facebook. I'm at the gym about 6:30 in the morning, and so as soon as I pull up to the gym, I get another 5 minutes, you know, that I don't have to go in there just yet. I was buying myself a little bit of time, but it's also a reminder to post. So every morning, that's my routine. I go to the gym, that's when you get the post from me. And I've been doing that for fuck, I don't know, 12, 15 years, however long I've been on Facebook at this point, and just consistently and I treat it like a, a, a TV show. Like if you like a TV show, you know it comes on at a certain time. Like if you like Wheel of Fortune, it's like on right after the news every day or whatever, right? And so that shows you how many TV shows I know. I just like I've name, never even yeah. heard of it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> American game show. But like if you like that, like it's on after the news. And you know that when the news is over, Wheel of Fortune is coming on. So I want my audience to be programmed that somewhere around 630 in the morning, the Stuman channel comes on. Right. And he's going to have something to either motivate, irritate or inspire us or some shit like that. Right. And I've been doing that for so long. And that's a huge power move, because guess what? Somebody hears my name. They go to Facebook and they scroll down or they go through the years because people will do that shit when they just first find out. And they see that I got back to back daily content. They're like, this dude knows what he's doing. You know, then it's that, that, that social proof right there. Same thing, whether you use LinkedIn or Instagram, you know, my two social media channels that I use are Instagram and Facebook. Uh, those are the two that I like. Um, but man, just making a post today on Instagram, I commit to three stories a day. Usually it's more because they're only 15 seconds. But as long as I'm in front of people every day, and, and it's not going to be my whole audience, you know, only a fraction of people see your stuff. But as long as I'm in front of them every day, that's a power move. Because when they think of what it is that I sell, I just want to be the guy they think of, even if they don't need it right now, or if they're friend, you know, I get tagged a lot in social media. Hey, who do you know that does this? Oh, hit up Stuman, right? It's perfect. That's a good referral for me, you know, and, but it all comes from the familiarity of consistent daily posting and it's free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. It's easy. You could even set it up to where it's like, you know, uh, by the time I get to the parking lot at my job, before I go in, I'm going to make my post real quick or shit in the bathroom, whatever, but just commit to it once a day, you know, mm -hmm. at a specific time. Cause that matters. Cause like, if I'm a big fan of yours and like, sometimes you post at nine in the morning, sometimes you post at two in the afternoon, sometimes four in the afternoon, depending on when I log in, I may never even see your shit. And you know how it is out of sight, out of mind. If I don't see your shit, I don't think about you. Right. Because there's someone else in the newsfeed distracting me to get my attention. That's how it's set up. So you got to be that person that's consistent every day. And the time is important, too. Oh, my gosh. So true. So I was on Clubhouse really consistently for like uh, a few months and I was getting 300 to 400 DMs a day. Brand new DMs from new people. And um, in the past few weeks, I've barely been on it. I've been doing like real world stuff rather than going on Clubhouse. And the new DMs that we've been getting every day has dropped by half. Literally. In, in uh, Facebook or Instagram? So this is in Instagram, Instagram. DMs. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I don't use Facebook kind of like okay. you. I, I use it a little bit, not as much. Many when we're in the process of doing a live challenge. But this is over over there on Instagram. Instagram. Okay. And so luckily we were able, because we've seen all these stats, because we got this new DM bot. So Facebook is... And well, Facebook and Instagram are soon allowing the bot and actually approving it. My account got approved by Facebook early because of the volume. And so 
a really interesting thing was like we were looking at the numbers and then we were able to correlate it directly to as soon as I started doing a live challenge, which is whereby I was off Clubhouse because I was spending time doing that and then I was traveling and all this stuff. And it was crazy just to see how important consistency is because if people don't have a reason to reach out to you because you're not top of mind for them for whatever reason, then of course they're gonna they're gonna go elsewhere or they just won't take the action because if they already had the motivation and the level of desire to take the action they would have done it already yeah. right this is one of those problems with i think with sales sometimes is that if you are getting on calls with those people who are like seven out of ten or below or eight even out eight out of ten or below then the problem is is that they don't have the desire and that urgency yet and i think this is whereby you know when it just going back to sales, having that qualification process is is pretty yep. critical. But um, you know what? When it comes to, I wanna I wanna wrap this around just to just going back to the power moves one last time. So let's just talk about this directly with sales, okay? Because people they really really do struggle with sales. Um, what is a power move that you feel like allows people to to really be successful actually on the phone? Like let's take it to the micro level here. On the phone, a power move that people can be doing that's going to allow them to position themselves where they can win every time. You need um, two things if you're going to get on phones and sales. Number one is you need a good offer, right? So the easiest way to write a good offer is how to get X without Y. X what they want, Y what they don't want. You know, how to get six-pack abs without having to do a crazy diet. You know, how to make $10,000 a day without having to work a full-time job, right? Some shit like that, right? Obviously, something legit. You don't want to lie, obviously. But, but you know, the basic way to make an offer is what they want and then what they don't want, right? right. It's a really easy template to use. So once you can get your offer down, like some people, you ask them, hey, what do you do for a living? It's, well, back in the sixth grade, fuck, I don't care about that. I just want to know <laughs> what your job is. You know, like some people they can't pitch you in less than 30 seconds. I think if it takes you more than two minutes to pitch somebody, you've already lost their attention. We live in the world of ADHD, right? If I got to talk to you for 10 minutes about my software, you're like, what, dude, I'm sorry, I blanked out, you know, tech nerd. And so, you know, the pitch is, is huge. The offer is huge. The second part is, and this is the real power move, objections. Um, you need to write down objections. Every objection that you get, you need to write. We all know that I need to talk to my partner. I need to sleep on it. I need another day. I need to look at my finances. I don't have the money. I'm scared. Not sure if it'll work for me. Like there's a list of common objections that we all get. And you need to write. I'm telling you, if you would do this, you will make a shitload more money on the phone because of confidence. This is confidence. And I talked about confidence being a big factor in sales. But writing all the objections down and then writing the rebuttal to the objection. I don't, you know, uh, need to talk to my spouse. Okay, awesome. Is she going to ask you, is she going to say no? What are you going to do if she does say no? Well, then what are you going to talk to her about? How about you go ahead and give me the credit card. I'll put it on file and you talk to her. And if I don't hear from you tomorrow, I'll go ahead and charge it. We'll get everything wrong. If something happens, just call me, right? So then I've handled that objection. If I write these objections and rebuttals down a piece of paper, index cards, whatever the hell, and I study them daily, then before I get on the phone, I know to expect these. So when I hear somebody go, well, I got to talk to my, oh, 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 that's on my list. You know what I'm saying? Like I already know it. And then 
instead of being emotional, like, oh man, you got to talk to your partner, you know, and, and feeling betrayed and all the things we feel as a salesperson. No, you're just confident. You know that the comeback for that is right there on your list and you just say it and you say it with confidence and you say it like you've said it a million times because you have. And all of a sudden those objections get handled and, they, and you on your end have removed the emotional stress from the process because you're prepared. And then when you get a, a, a an objection that you never heard before, you're like, oh, fuck, that was different. And you fuck it up. Okay, that's fine. Write it down. And so the next time when you might actually get it again, you have a rebuttal and you're prepared for it. That's a real power move for phone sales. <laughs> I love it. And when, as you said that, just there, um, the objection that you've never heard before, I would love, I would love to hear people's weirdest objections that they've, they've never heard before. So guys, share this on your Instagram stories. Tag us both. Yours is at Hardcore Closer, yep. right? Mine yep. is at Lauren Tickner. And um, I would love, to, I would just love to see that because it's always so funny. So I'd love to hear yours, but mine, okay, mine was actually a guy on my team. His was that, um, this actually happened just a couple months back, is that he needed to speak to his board of advisors for this new, it was just the most random thing. This this kid was 18 and he needed to speak to his board of advisors. I don't know, we hadn't heard that one before. It was, it was kind of crazy, but kind of cool. But what's yours? You know, I, uh, I was at, I spoke at Funnel Hacking Live years ago and the crowd was like, um, so funny story, Brunson asked me to speak at his event. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, man. And honored, you know, it was like the funnel hacking two or three. And, um, right before I go on stage, I'm going there to sell this program. And right before I go on stage, the dude's like, Hey man, we haven't made enough money. You can't sell like, wasn't Brunson, but Brunson sent the dude, but it was like his security's like, we, we took your last two slides, your PowerPoint out. So you can't sell. Sorry. We just did. We're trying to make the money on this. I'm like, well, motherfucker, right? What an asshole thing to do. I like, I came here to make money. And then you kind of remove that from whatever. Right. So I get on stage I get up there, and so now, shit, the last 10 minutes of my deal was a pitch, right? And so now I don't, I'm like 10 minutes short on time. So I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm prepared to go through all the PowerPoints, and I get down to the end where, where my other pitches were supposed to be, and I was like, hey, if you guys want to, just come up, give me your objections, and I'll handle your objections live. This is on YouTube, by the way. If you just Google Ryan Steumann funnel hacking, uh, there's the full thing, and then five minutes where I just did the objections part. But one of the guys was a salesperson and he sold like these meal prep containers, right? And he comes up to me and he says, you know, I've been selling meal prep containers for the last five years. So, you know, we, we make the food, we put them in the container, we ship them out to our people. And the biggest objection that we get is that the lids are hard to close. And right there in front of everybody, I was like, sounds like that's not the only thing that's hard to close in that industry, right? Like the crowd's all laughing and everything else. <laughs> I thought, man, that's like the weirdest objection ever. It's like the lids are hard to close. Like, I don't know about all that, man. It's like, aren't you selling to fitness people? Are they not strong? Can they not close the fucking lid? Like the not out of shape people aren't doing meal prep. So like, what kind of, what's going on over here? Well, right? I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, though, as well, it's like, you know, he said that this always happens. So if that is something that you genuinely keep getting, yep. I mean- Maybe get a different fucking container, that's right? That's what I'm saying, right? Because like those common objections that you said before, those are the common ones. Yep. I need to think about it, da, 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 all the other ones. Those are the ones that, to be honest, should always be pre-handled anyways. Yep. Like the one about getting uh, your- 
wife on the call or whatever. Like, oh, I need to go and speak to my partner. Well, frankly, before the call even happens. Who else do we need to get on the call? Exactly. Yep. That's what I'm saying. And so just set up a three-way call, even yep. easier. And so then that just reduces that pressure. Because if you're someone who finds sales difficult anyway, you want to set yourself up to win. Yep. Um, I know, that's so funny. Okay, cool. Right, well, with that said, I mean, look, I, I would say that at this point, anyone who hasn't already followed Ryan, guys, make sure to go follow him. Tag us on your stories. I want to hear the most common objections, uh, the, the weirdest yeah, objections awesome. that you've had. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it. I will share that over on my stories. Yeah, same here. Um, and look, you got a big following. I got a good following as well. So uh, yeah. And then um, when it comes to, you know, everything that you do with your your guys, you know, you train salespeople, you train entrepreneurs on how to increase their sales. You help people build sales teams as well, as far as I'm aware? No, we, we, okay. we help people build companies, you know, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. but in sales teams, a part of it, but it's not like, uh, I do recruiting or going and do sales training. I have some guys that work for me that, that I sub it out to now. Got it. Uh, it's just sales isn't, I'm, I still do it. I'm still a part of it, but it's just not like my thing these days. Mm, and, mm. and I'm so far removed from it. You know, I haven't really been on the front lines of sales for three years, just to be honest, uh, yeah. as heavy as like Drewby. Mm. my VP that does a half a million a month in sales, right? So the people would do better to, to link up with Drewby and learn what the hell he's doing and stuff than they would me at this point. And it's just being honest. A lot of people always let the ego is like, oh, you know, I'm always the man. But, you know, I, at this point, I'm the man that's a CEO and the, the next generation of sales guy sits in the office next to me. He's killing it, you know? And and so I send, like, he he's not a recruiter, but if you sales, if people wanted sales training in person for their sales team or whatever, Drewby would be the guy that I would send. That's important though. I mean, yep. being able to say no to opportunities and so that you can open up yourself to say yes to other ones, yeah. right? And I want to do what's best for them. I don't, uh -huh. you know, it's like, you know, my, my sales stuff uh, is is not going to be as put into play as his is every day. Right. You know? No, I think that's great. I think that's great. Okay, so people should definitely join your Facebook group, uh, which is Sales Pros. Sales Talk with Sales Pros. Sales Talk with Sales Pros. I'm in that. I love it. Yeah, it's good. I, it's good times. I always see it because I, I must like the posts, so yep. they show up at the top of my feed. Yeah. It's just I, I find it real funny. Well, honestly. that's how we got connected. You you your uh, VA started posting in there because I guess you <laughs> post in some groups. And, and I let it go through because you had a blue check. I don't know who you were, but I was like, that's cool. You know, we have quite a few influencers in here and maybe she's got something to say or whatever. And then you hit me up and you were like, oh, I'm sorry. My VA did that. I know that's I your forgot. group, whatever. Yeah, that's but I was so like, funny. Oh, that's cool. But while I got you here, you know, like, what do you do? how did you get a blue check? And that's how we started talking. Oh so. my God. That's literally the funniest thing. Yeah. I actually forgot that that was even yep. how we got connected. Yep. It's so funny. Yeah. We actually see some good results from posting in those groups. We groups slowed, are amazing. We slowed it down recently because of the clubhouse leads. Yep. Um, but we're, we're going to get back on that soon because yeah, I mean, wow. It's um, amazing when you, cause just so that everyone knows, I was posting like I quote unquote was posting huge value. I basically yeah, yeah. we call them impact posts, right? And basically they're just full of value. But you want to know like the the key part to it. I'm sharing my secret now, so anyone who sees my post. So basically midway through the post, what you do is you write like a point, and then you say. So I think my one, my, I can't remember what the post was about, but I know one off the top of my head is whereby I share some tips when it comes to building an online team. And then like tip number three out of five or something is about having an accountability chart. And then I write on it. And uh, if you guys want to see the accountability chart that I use with my team, just let me know. And so I call it a sideways CTA because right, right. it's like a sideways call to action. Yep. You're not like DM me if you want this. Right. It's just like, yeah, just let me know, like low pressure, whatever. And then tons of people start commenting 
saying like I want it tons of message requests I want it I want it and so that's what we do in the Facebook groups there. The, the groups are amazing because there's no ads it's the only place on Facebook there's no ads and it's yes, and it's yeah. a true community and Facebook's putting a lot of emphasis on it so I mean we we do millions of dollars a year from Facebook groups as well I yeah. think I'm in 118 but wow. same thing we put value added posts in there people get to know us that's that power move mm, you know interesting so you go in other groups as well huh yeah and I'm right. I'm an admin of uh like six groups that have 10,000 or more people in that, that I started for different, for business, for salespeople, for entrepreneurs. So like That's just cool. different segments so that I got a different message going to each group. So yeah. it doesn't get confusing, you know? That makes sense. Something that I've heard a lot that um, a bunch of people are doing, I've never tried it myself, but they are doing JVs with people that own groups mm -hmm. or they're buying rights to groups. Yeah, or they're buying the group. I've sold a few groups. Interesting. Yeah, because I think like buying the rights to be able to do promos in the group, that's interesting. Because, yep. I mean, if you're selling high ticket and you just get one client from it. Yeah, you know? I sold... Um a real estate agent group that I created. It only had like 3000 people, but they're very targeted, all high performers. And I sold it for 20 grand, right. you know, uh, to a loan officer. <clears throat> he wanted to do their mortgages, you know, and I had already sold them all the shit that I was going to sell. Yeah. Them, so. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. Well yep. guys join Ryan's groups. They're really, really cool. Um, my name is Lauren Tickner. This is impact schools podcast. I think that's all for today. And thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. This has been fun. Yeah. Glad you come down to Texas and, uh, we got to do this. So awesome. yes, uh, loving it.